that time again time for dispatches from planet funk it's the aced out podcast dedicated to all whom the man tried to ace out by profiting from the soul without stopping to give props to the prophets of soul you know what i'm saying that is correct this is ace allen aka barack wayne and this show is brought to you by the letter p and sponsored by Pete, People for the Ethical Treatment of Ear Holes. And we're Funkanaut Fam affiliated. Because funk is spelled fun with a K. And that's why they pronounce it funky. Right, Jay? That's right. Jay Stone. Yo. We just did an interview. I mean, the guests we just talked to, I mean, that's what the Aced Out podcast is all about. What do you think about how that interview just went, my brother? Man. J-Dub dropped some uh, some nice stories and, you know, just a real all-around, down-to-earth dude. Gave us some history. Yeah, it was amazing to talk to him. And who we're talking about is a man that goes by the name of J-W. That's J-A-Y, double, and U, Y-O-U, with an exclamation point. He used to be credited as Jim Wright back in the 70s when he played with who? Harlem and Funkadelic. Uh, he was born and raised in Detroit, and he currently lives in the Atlanta er- area, I believe Swanee, Georgia. Swanee. And he's a bona fide alumni of the P-Funk, y'all, uh, in its heyday. And he was hanging out with P-Funk ever since he was a boy, since he was 12 years old, Jay Stone. 12 years old, man. Could you imagine meeting Bernie and Bootsy at 12? Like super funky heroes. I can't. And coming by the house every day, right. I mean, I can't imagine that. Bringing you some bread. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bootsy, bring me some bread. Hey, Uncle George, Uncle Bootsy. And, um, you know, he was actually, uh, I'm talking about our guest, JW. He was not only the drummer but also the band leader for Parlette. And as you guys might remember, a couple episodes back, a few episodes back, I explained for all you novices out there who aren't the expert Funketeers. uh, You've heard of George Clinton, and he has a lot of manifestations. So when you you were talking about the P-Funk, you're talking about Parliament. They were signed to Casablanca Records. You're talking about Funkadelic signed to Westbound. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You had Bootsy's Rubber Band on Warner Brothers. Yep. And then you also had two what they called girl groups. We call them female-led groups now. One was Brides of Frankenstein, and we've interviewed a Bride of Frankenstein, Amuka, episode yep. two. Go back to episode two. And the other one was Parlette. And uh, Parlette was our brother's band, JW. Yeah. And his big sister, his older sis, was Debbie Wright. The main singer, Uno number one, of Parlette, at least for the first album. And we just had a blast talking to him. Yes. That's that's not all. JW also played on All the Woo in the World, the classic solo album, the first solo album by Bernie Worrell. And then JW became an amazing solo artist in his own right. Anyway, we talked to this P-Funk alumni about so many things, and we're going to get right to that interview, so we're not going to wait. Don't touch that dial. I just have a couple other things to lay on you. First of all, as you know, Jay Stone, we're only as good as our guests. Ace Out Podcast, I'm talking about, only as good as the guests we get. Right. 
Your brother, your older brother, Nat, got us this guest. My brother. <laughs> Shout out to Nat Collins out there in Mableton, Georgia. Mableton. When, uh, when Jay Stone told me his older brother lived in Georgia when I was about to move to Atlanta, he said, I want to say he lives in Mayberry. <laughs> yeah, I <did>. but, <laughs> but it's Mableton, Georgia. So what happened before I moved back here to um, Oakland, California, I'm from San Francisco, California area. I moved back to Oakland, the Bay Area. I just got back. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the outro. Anyway, before I did that, I went out with your brother. We went to see a George Clinton concert. Yeah. And uh, before that, we were talking about the podcast. We were coming off of... Uh, we had just published the podcast with um, Jay. With, um, Flying Jay. Flying Jay. By yeah. the way, all these Jays. Jay Stone, JW, right. Flying Jay. But anyway, your brother told me, uh, oh, there's this guy, JW, that I know. And he was a drummer for Parlet. I was like, say what? Wow. Because I didn't even realize that. And I thought I was the Funketeer expert. Yeah. But he told me about him, told me that he should be a guest. And not only that, but I'm giving your brother actually production credit because your brother actually took the time to research and give me the research as well. Oh, wow. So um, big shout out to Nat for helping us here. But I want to congratulate you, Jay Stone, because we have just released triumphantly the Bible, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Tell us all about that, Jay Stone. Man, like you said, it's brand new, featuring the Funkonauts and yours truly. Available worldwide on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, wherever music is sold. Um, we got T-shirts. Uh, you can use Messenger to uh, to look us up on that Facebook.com/slash/Funknots. Okay. We're happy with the response we'll be getting, and I'm sure you know everybody else will be too. It's the Bible, the good word. Right on, and congratulations, Ricky Vincent from the History of Funk Show had us on last Friday, and he was over the moon about the album. I was actually getting kind of shy. He was being so like positive about it. He played almost the whole album. He was acting like the album was Thriller, man, and that was an honor because Ricky Vincent, you know, he's the teacher, he's the professor. Yeah, the night great. Congratulations on that. I'm also happy to announce that we have a new uh, Ace Out Podcast family uh, we've incorporated. Uh, we got uh, Nick. Harden, a.k.a. Waves on the boards here. We're at his brand new studio that he built with his own two hands from the ground up here in Oakland, just to like maybe five minutes for, from where I'm living. And it's a family affair, and it all couldn't have happened without my boy Monster. Monster, who's uh, my boy Nick's business partner. And Monster was going to be here. He couldn't be here today. He had a code red, and I'm not going to say anything else about that. Also, I would be remiss, Jay Stone, if I didn't mention one last thing is our listeners. Yes. Jay Stone, we're on a shoestring budget. Yeah. We have a little bit of a rinky-dink uh, popcorn in- operation here. But right. people do listen to us. I heard that. And I'm so grateful. And here's the thing that like really tripped me out last time. You know, I get the little statistics, and I figure the stuff out. And I, I look at who's listening. I see who's checking this out. Right. Dude, our, our last episode with Flying Jay, right. I'm not going to say that... 30 people from France listen to it. I'm not going to say that 40 people or 100 people from France listen to uh-huh. it. It was in the hundreds, people from France checking out that episode. Wow. And you know what? It was like, it wasn't just Frenchmen. It was a specific type of person. For example, a guy named Bidzo Bidzo, who lives in a place called Clermont Ferrand uh-huh. in, <laughs> in France. He's actually originally from Matam, Guinea. Okay. So he's from an African, African nation. Yeah. 
There's another guy, for example, Santa Cisse. He's from Paris, but he's originally from Gambia. Wow. And we have French uh, men and women from Congo and Tanzania checking us out. Wow. And uh, people who grew up in France as well. Right. So, you know, hey, viva la France. You heard right. it here first. We are big in France, so word up. But also, you know, here in the States, you know, us Yankees are doing it too. And we're being listened to, Ace Out Podcast is listened to in Richmond, Virginia, in Alabama. I heard it. New York, Mississippi. Nebraska, Texas, California, um, South Carolina, Savannah, Georgia, Baltimore, Maryland, St. Louis, Missouri. People listen to Ace Up Podcast in Louisville, Kentucky, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, Detroit, Arkansas, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Oakland and Sacktown, of course. And also, people are checking us out worldwide in Nigeria, in Mali, in Germany, the Congo. Jamaica, yeah, man. Bremen, Georgia, not the state, but the country, and Bangui, which is in Africa. I mean, good Lord Almighty. And you know, just check us out, you guys. Remember, you can get us on Stitcher, you can get us on iTunes for free download us. But I encourage you to go on our website, uh, acedoutpodcast.com. Because that's like the liner, liner notes. That's like the CD booklet. You can see the pictures from the episode. You can read the credits, who did what. And there's little extra bonus stuff in there, especially for this episode. But anyway, let me stop running my mouth. I'm about to have an asthma attack. <laughs> Let's get to this um, interview. And we're going to kick off this interview. I have my own little theme song for the interview, uh, Jay Stone. Okay. I figure we could kick us off. There's this great song off the Parlette first album, Pleasure Principle, from 1978 called... Are you dreaming? It's kind of like a, a secret track. What do they call them? Deep tracks. Oh, okay. Like this that. track is dope. It reminds me, it's like a cross between like Brian Eno, David Bowie, and oh. like Al Green. Okay. And uh, it's really majestic, but kind of funky too. And it has a killer bass line by Rodney Ski Curtis and just an in the pocket drums by our guest, JW. Right. Let's listen to some of that and then we'll talk to our man on the other side. What do you say? Awesome. Let's do it.
JW. JW, yes. do you hear yourself? Yes. Do you hear how funky yes. you are? I can't believe thank you, that. Thank you. Let me ask you something. Well, I, I, Let me ask you something yes. right off the bat. Who's on that? Okay. It sounds like Bernie Worrell for sure, right? On that song? Bernie is on it. Skeet is on it. Right. Okay, that is Rodney uh, Skeet Curtis. Yeah, that's Skeet. Mm-hmm. Skeet is on that track. Go ahead. Of course, Bernie. Yep. And uh, Gary, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Gary Scheider? Yes, Gary Scheider. Nice. Gary Scheider. I love that song. And it was funny, you just remembered that. I just got, um, over the course of us being in contact, getting ready for this episode, you texted me, what was that, like a, a couple of weeks ago, like, oh yeah, Are You Dreaming? I'm a Are You Dreaming too. Yeah, yeah, I was listening. <laughs> I'm glad you remember that because I love to... that song. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you. I was listening to P-Funk Radio at the time. <laughs> you listen to and, P-Funk uh, Radio? Yeah, I was listening to it, you know, uh, Friday night, and it came on, and it just reminded me of stuff that I had done, you know, because it's it's been a while. Right. Because when we cut those tracks, we cut we cut about ten that night, man. Oh, I mean, do you we remember where cutting. you recorded that first of all? <laughs> yeah, we recorded at United Sound System in Detroit, and you did ten songs in the same night. Well, the way we cut, the way George was cutting, mm-hmm. we'd just do a basic track. And and that night, we were pretty much vibing, me and Skeet. It was me and Skeet, you know, because you want to deal with the bass and drums. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we would lock with whatever direction the groove was coming in. And at that particular time, you know, studio time was expensive and the whole deal is you had to be quick. Right, you're going you on like a real quick. real tape, right? Yeah, we did more, all of the takes were like one-time one, one time takes, you, you know, because while up. I'm playing, <laughs> you know, while I'm playing and Skeet playing, George is in the uh, engineering room on the speaker through the headphones. Are you saying that that song like, we just heard you did in one take? Well, we did the basic track. We do all the tracks before the vocals. That's what I'm saying. You did your your basic? Wow, man. Yeah, yeah. One track, man. So you were vibing. messing around. Yeah. Yeah, we we hit that thing. You got to hit that thing now. You know, it was, it's it's real drumming. There's no machine. You are the human machine. Right. And, you know, timing was extremely important for drummers. And yours is while you were recording, yeah. And so, yeah. So we we uh we hit that thing, man. <laughs> now, now J W. Just to dip our toe in the whole whole thing here, are, you're here to say you weren't just the drummer in Parlette. You were also the band leader of Parlette. Do I understand that right? I, yes, you understand that right. I put the band together. Now, what does that mean? I, now, uh, what does that mean when you say you put the band together? Is it's part of the P Funk uh, catalog, right? Uh, it's a P Funk project, project Parlette. So, do you bring that project to George, and then he takes it, or how do you, how are you the band? No, leader? it was it was George's project. You okay. know, George was the producer. He was the guy that got the deal. You know, Casablanca was the distributor, and George, by my relationship being tight with him, man, Deb, he basically... So you were tight with George? You know, 
Oh yeah, I've known George since twelve years old, man. Wow! Wow! I've known I, I've known George. I, I I've known a young George Clinton, <laughs> <laughs> skinny George Clinton. So you're originally from where? Skinny. He's he's originally Detroit. from Detroit. Okay, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Skinny. And so United <laughs> United Sound System is based out of Detroit. Yeah. So you and were so, uh, you were heavily involved with United Sound. I was going to ask you about that. So the producer Don Davis, right? He was out of that right. studio, and he produced Don Davis. He's produced the likes of Aretha Franklin and David Ruffin, and Johnny right. Taylor. And what right. were you? A, you were a session musician there. How old were you at that time? Well, I started doing sessions at nineteen, eighteen or nineteen. Nice doing sessions. And what years uh, or what time period would this be? By the way. Dad had to be 76, 77, 78. Oh, so you were young. Yeah. You were young on the, the parlette, too. Yeah, I was only 19 or 20. We all were young. We all were young. Deb was maybe 25, 26. Got you. Uh, Maria, about that age. Jeanette was a few years. Jeanette was like maybe 20, 19 or 20, 21. And you're 19 to 20, I yeah. And by the way, we're talking about, when we're talking about Parlette, uh, your sister Debbie uh, was one of the three uh, vocalists. And um, what what was the age spread? on? She was your older sister. How much older? Yeah, five years older than me. Five, five years older? Six years. And then she was... Yeah, than me. She was working as a, is it, do I have this right? She was working as like a, a vocalist, even a, as early as 14 years old, your sister? Yes. And yes. she was asked at some point to join the, the P-Funk family and became a singer, basically on Parliament albums and whatnot, right? Uh, Bootsy, everything. And well, then, a lot uh, of that came later. You know, she started out just doing sessions. Just doing sessions? You know, when she, when she was like 14. Now, you're talking about a span before Parlette was created. You're talking about a span of close to 10 to 15 years that we've known them before that actually happened. Oh, gotcha. So, so you were cutting your teeth so, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We knew. We, we knew. We were uh, part of that thing. Uh, way before the Mothership Connection, yeah. uh, before Chocolate City, you know, during Tales of Funkadelic, and Ooh. I'll Bet You. Wow. And, and, uh, and I'll Bet East You. Was young. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, 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 I met him 12 years old, I guess. I, that's 1969. 11 to 12, 68, 69. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, we just built the relationship through Deb's connection of and a great vocalist and a great studio vocalist. And her and George had a special relationship. And, Your sister and George you know, had a... Yeah, yeah, that's how, you know, that's how stuff works. You know, mm -hmm. you, you be around folks and you get to know each other and he felt this go. The Paulette thing was really about Deb, you know. It was really about her. Uh, how so? And unfortunately... How so, meaning that's who they felt as though who voice would really sell the records. Mm. Ooh, gotcha. And, yeah, that's what any recording is about. That's why you had David Ruffin singing songs, and that's why you had Diana Ross singing songs, because the record company, whoever they feel, 
will sell records right, with their right. voice. They dictate that. Yeah, that's yeah. and and it's hard for other people who is part of it to actually grasp that because you're in a different lane and you have to, you know, be in your own seat on the plane, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me, and and you have, yeah, go ahead. I was, oh, I'm sorry about that. I just wanted to ask you, is it true that Tiki Fullwood gave you your first pair of drumsticks? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tiki Forward, of course, for my audience, the drummer, of course, an yeah. early, early uh, Funkadelic, original drummer, OG, Maggot Brain, and all that. Uh, yeah, rest in he's peace. the dude that set the, he set the bar for drumming. He set, he set the bar for Funkadelic drumming and P-Fum drumming. What was that day Tiki, that he gave you the sticks? What happened that day? It was at, it was at a studio. I was at a session. It had to be How at a session. Or he could have been at the house. 13, 12, 13, 14, cool. something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you say? He'd be yeah, at the house? Well, yeah, he would stop by the house. They would stop by the house. Wow. You, know, so you just have everybody in P-Funk coming to uh, your house when you're when you're a kid. Pretty much through Deb, you know, because she was a big part of the, a lot of sessions in wow. terms of, you know, a person on call. To, and plus, she was working around the uh, city of Detroit, outside the city of Detroit. And you had a lot of people at the time in Detroit, you know, of course, Motown. Mm-hmm. And you had a record company called Invicta Records, which had the chairman of the board, uh, the Honeycombs. Uh, you, you had this guy named Ronnie McNair. Of course, you had uh, Little Carl Carlton. It was Little Carl Carlton at the time. <laughs> you know, Bad Mama Jamma. Yeah. And so you had a lot of people in a small city that were talented, and it was a lot of recording, independent recording going on, and it just expanded into dealing with major record companies. Wow, and, man. And Something nobody in the had money at the time. You mm-hmm. know, nobody had a lot of dough, so you, you know, you, you share. You, you know, you invite a person to dinner, you see if they need anything what have you but it was always about the music that's beautiful man Mm -hmm. that's really positive hey let's um i just want to uh listen to a little bit more of your wonderful work this is one of my all-time favorite tunes uh by parlette is love amnesia and i want to listen to a little bit of this and i'm going to ask you some questions about it on the other side is that okay with you jw fine with me brother (laughs) (laughs) That's what? a funky track. Funk Funk Bond's about to drop. It's coming. Here we go.
That's Deb right there, dog. That was Deb? Yeah, that was Deb jumping out there like that. Oh, sounds so good. songwriter on this song that I'm not sure I, it could be I don't know you don't remember I don't remember you if, it's, if, if it's Billy if it's, it should be Billy yeah if he wrote it he played on it believe me if he wrote it he played on it <laughs> yeah that's if what he that's wrote what it I, he played on that's it that's what yeah. I was thinking that's what I was thinking yeah if he wrote it um how you say you recruited the you recruited excuse me recruited the band members um yeah. so what was how did that work or what happened there how did that come together well well at the time you know uh George just pulled me to the side you know actually Donnie came with uh uh Malia from LA and so Donnie Malia Franklin one of the uh, other singers by the way excuse me Right. When she came in, she brought Donnie and he, you know, he was the bass player. He's the only guy I didn't recruit. And so George asked me to put the band together. And I knew musicians who went, just went through a thing with a few other people and they were available. And that's how I recruited Gordon Carlton, Janice Carlton, El Nestro Wilson, Jerome Ali. And uh, actually responsible for Jeanette being in the group. Uh, and so we were rehearsing at my mom's house, and that's Why how would that you rehearse in the living room or something. No, in the basement. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, big basements back east. In the basement, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Detroit basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're not San Francisco by <laughs> right, baby. Right, right. Like, we're know, like we don't. We're like we don't West Coast. We're all confused. Hall, looking at looking at looking at the, the you practice on the roof or something? on the bridge, <laughs> right? Huh? Um, what were we your leadership? So, what were your leadership uh, duties? What were your leadership duties like? Set lists, like booking gigs, like what? What were your? Uh, but basically, basically, just keeping the guys together and trying to get them to understand to stick together and be mm -hmm. on time. Yeah, and 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 keep the morale going and answer any questions that they might have because it was brand new for them. Right. In terms of being with a national group. Did Parlay do a lot of it, touring? They did a lot, but I only did one small tour. I got fired, man. Mm. I know. We're going to talk about that. Let's stick a pin in that for a second. But did, did you, yeah. you did one small tour, you're saying? 
How many dates? Yeah, I did. I did like four dates, and we came back to Detroit, and I get a call to say I'm fucking fired. Oh, who called you? And Let's just talk about most, it now. I was gonna save it for later. Let's talk about it now. Who called you? Well, well, Mally and Franklin called me, and see, it's an interesting story. First of all. The original Parlet group never did a gig. Okay. And and unfortunately, Deb had a nervous breakdown, which I thought that was suspect in some sort. What do you mean? Uh, meaning that I think it was a... Uh, 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 it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to come across the right way. Basically... Jeanette Washington is not a nice person. I'll put it like uh, that. And um Okay. Okay. And 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 she and it's really complicated. Showbiz is So Jean, is, people are get you saying, desperate. So you're saying Jeanette I, she's more responsible for it and Malia called I'm you not about saying, it? I'm not I'm not saying she's responsible. Fair well enough. Jeanette is the one really wanted me out of the group. After Deb had her nervous breakdown, it was obviously she was gonna uh work in Parlette, which they were gonna offer her her own album. You know, like Your when sister? Bobby Brown left Lewis. Yes. Wow. But unfortunately she could never get it together. It was a bad breakdown, dude. Mm. It was it was bad. I'm sorry and, to hear that. And so that's like okay, she's out the way. Mm-hmm. Now during during rehearsals, pretty much Mal and Jeanette is because it's, it's George told me when I when he got the band when I got the band he told me he said it's about the girls it wasn't about the band mm-hmm. the girls are the ones that had to deal <clears throat> so it was about the girls <clears throat> now now that Deb is out George really is not interested anymore to be honest so but he has so to be clear so when when your sister was no longer able to continue. That was sort of like the, that's what made the project for George. So he kind of d- wasn't interested in Parlet once your sister couldn't participate. Pretty much. Right, okay. Pretty much. But he had an obligation to do two more albums. Right. And so while while we're rehearsing and trying to find a third girl after it was determined that Deb was not going to do it. <clears throat> that must have been uh, really... Uh, strange for you because you had to still play in the group but you, meanwhile your sister's having this uh, do do you do you have no idea <clears throat> i mean you must and, have been upset well it wasn't it was i'm the kind of guy it was you know i wasn't too upset because i wanted her to get healthy for one mm-hmm. i was more concerned about her health you know than the Parlette thing. Of course. But uh, once it was, came to the conclusion she was going to do it and we thought she would do her own album once she became well. Mm-hmm. But then you had the problem of, because on the at this time you only had the Pleasure Principal album. Mm-hmm. So Deb did most of the album 
herself and Dan Malia did the second most and Jeanette really didn't do too much. And she had a problem with that during the recording, Jeanette Washington. She so she didn't do a lot immature. of the vocals. Got it. She didn't do a lot of the vocals on the first record and that bothered her. Mm. And so uh, it became uncomfortable, so to speak. And not a, you know, you know how it is. If you got a band and then you got that one person that's, you know, <laughs> fucking up the vibe. Uh, yeah, you of know course. what you, you no, know what I that can do. That, and, I don't know. That's like at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let me well, ask you something. <laughs> Dude, were they hating on you though? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing of this. That's that's what I was about. That what what Jay just asked is I was going to ask the same question. Why did you get lumped in on that? Because you were her family, or why? What have to? What did it have to do with you? In what other did words? I get lumped in? on what? Lumped Why in on were what? you the problem for Jeanette at that juncture? Yeah. Well, Why probably did you have to because get fired? I, I think, I'm going to be honest, man, I think Baby was very malicious in her behavior and you know how shit go when, when somebody want to take your place, they'll do anything and they could be right in front of your face. Mm -hmm. Now, Parlette was informed until Deb, Deb, let me go, wait, let me stop there. And first of all, tell you how we met Jeanette Washington. Okay. I met Jeanette Washington through her half sister when I was in high school. I would go visit her half sister named Joanne. <clears throat> Joanne knew I had a band. She said I had a sister, half sister that can sing. I met Jeanette, she had potential. I put her in my first band. This is how she met Deb. Okay, this is how she got in the mix. Other than that, we didn't know her. So the band really wasn't dedicated like I would have wanted them to be. So I decided to lead a band. Considering that we're rehearsing at my house, they had to leave. So that pissed <laughs> a few people off. Okay. I, you know, that, 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 and, and I'm sure Jeanette was pissed about that. Uh, but why, while we were rehearsing at my house, she had a chance to meet Deb. Okay. So forwarding a few years or a few months, we had known Jeanette no more than maybe six months, seven months, but Deb even shorter. Now, Jeanette Washington was working with a band called The Last Days at the time. They were a little local group doing some stuff. But we had known George over 10 years at the time. So one day, this is when the Mothership Connection went gold and we saw that it was going up. And, you know, like I said, Deb and G always had a special relationship. Mm -hmm. So... It was one day we had United Sounds. Uh, and just so happened, Jeanette was over Debbie's house. So George told them to catch a cab down. Now, he didn't know Jeanette at all at this time. This was her first time meeting him. So I met them at the studio. So it was all three of us in the studio, George, Deb, myself, and Jeanette, you know, in part of the studio. So Deb talking to George saying, hey, man, I need some work, boom, 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 what's happening, was it, you know, come on, man, do something. And so, G, you know, being the slim George at the time, <laughs> you know, he took a hit as his 420, and he said, can you come to New York Sunday 
and go and come to rehearsal Sunday. Now, this is like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And he just broke out and said, <clears throat> can you come to rehearsal Sunday? So Deb was flabbergasted. You know, she just couldn't believe it. She was excited. You know, she was like, don't play with me, man. Don't play with me, man. And he said, I'm not playing. So by Jeanette being in the studio, she's looking at what's happening. And quite frankly, I don't really don't think she even knew who the hell Parliament was. Or George Clinton. (laughs) Wow. To be honest, maybe, maybe not. But Deb looked at Jeanette. And she remember telling Jeanette, if I get a chance to help you, I will. So this was her chance to come through. So Deb just looked at George. Now, keep in mind, Deb was on a lot of recordings. They already know what she could do. Mm-hmm. This is why George really? said, can you come to New York, start rehearsal for the tour? She just looked at George and said, George, do you need another girl? And George looked at Deb and said, can she hang? George never even heard Jeanette. Really? And Deb said, and Deb said yes. And that's how Jeanette got the gig. Now, they were out there on the P-Funk tour for two years before Parlette was even conceived. So a lot of stuff happened. And keep in mind, she was new. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't as comfortable But Deb, everybody had known Deb because it was over a decade. She was like a sister, whatever, I don't know, you know, Mm. boom, there you go. So from that point, a person's true colors start coming out and the plot thickens, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I think that Baby was determined, meaning Jeanette was determined to become the lead singer by hook or crook. Gotcha. And we've all seen we've all seen movies to where some people can do some foul shit to somebody else, and they'll never know it just to get them out the way. Right. And you were in one of those movies, man. Yeah, I'm in one of the motherfucking movies. That's for real. Foul, man. There you go. Well, then, hey, there you go. Let's check out some happy. And so, uh, let's hold, hold on. Let's but it. I, but I had to, I had to get that in because people need to hear the truth. No, uh, man, I wanted, and I wanted to know that because you know what I mean. We need to speak people your need name. To hear the, the truth. That's why we're doing this Not interview. That. We need yeah. to, we need to underline yeah. what what you've done. And uh, let's continue with some of this good old yummy stuff uh, with a little bit of cookie yeah, jar. Yeah, now don't forget about now don't forget about the JW music too. Now I'm in a whole new we got thing we got now. it all lined up. We got it all lined up. You just okay. you just sit back and relax. I'm gonna drive. Okay. Mm. It is the beat. <laughs> Save me for a rainy 
Uh, that's a reworked Fuzzy Haskins songs. Right. So why don't we talk right. about you and Fuzzy Haskins? Now I tried okay. to get you to tell okay. me. I tried to get you to tell me. His, some of his solo work, right? You just not, you can't remember which songs. Yeah, but I can't, I can't remember, man. All I remember, well, really fuzzy. He gave me my first really peak funk major sec- sessions on uh, one of his solo projects. So you said, oh yeah, like is that the first session you had? You told me about it was like with Gary, Glenn Goins, yeah. Cordell Boogie. Yeah, and that was your first. Yeah. that was one of your first peak funk yeah. sessions. Amazing. Funk sessions, and at the time, this might be a footnote y'all don't know who else was in the studio. Who else? Shirley Hayden. Shirley Hayden was there because she was my girl at the time, and this was before she even got in Parlette. I was responsible for her getting in Parlette as well. But You're getting kidding. back to the session. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, getting back to the session. Now, see, Fuzzy normally would play his own drum but he was producing the project as well and it's easier for producers. That's right. Fuzzy's Fuzzy's a drummer too. Yeah, 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 right. He's a drummer too. And and by, you know, me knowing him as a kid and he's in Detroit and I would see him every now and again, see him all the time. And I'm a young cat, you know, need a break, man. And I'm like, Fuzzy, let me play. But come on now, let me play on this thing, (laughs) now. And, uh, and, uh, Fuzzy say, okay, he say, okay, Jim. You know, this was when I was Jim Wright. You know, this was before JW. Sure, right, Jim Wright. He said, he said, he said, okay, Jim, now, now I'm going to tell you, if you don't do it right, I'm, you know I'm going to have to pull you because you'll get pulled in a minute. Now, you don't get a lot of time. You know, if you don't get that mug in two takes, you know, they'd be like, get your saying, come on out of there. You're saying, he, okay, he's saying I'm going to put you on if you don't hit what he we need let, you to he's hit. He's going to let me play. If I don't play correctly and I ain't funky, Two takes? I'm getting the... No, well, I only needed one. But I'm saying he, he was, was going to give you two takes uh, or else you're fired. Well, that's what most producers did at that time. Because <laughs> you don't, if, if a cat don't have it, he don't have it. <laughs> and you ain't got time to be trying to teach him. Right. It's like, you know, when we, when we did sessions back in the day, you had three of everything. You might have three drummers, three guitar players, three bass players, and everybody looking at you while you cut. <laughs> everybody looking at you while you cut. That's why the music's so good, though. And if you don't get it, you get cut, and he, and the mug say next. Wow. <clears throat> so and I've, that's how I, yeah. So Fuzzy, but it worked out with you and Fuzzy, though. Yeah, it worked out, man. I end up you know, learning the business in terms of seeing how much you can get for doing a session. The pay was great. Was I did the pay about great? Four was the, tracks. Pay, the pay was good at the, the time? The pay was great. The pay was great. Yeah, man. That's good being a hear. studio drummer, you know, being in the union and union scale, you talking about close to a $400 day. Wow. At that time. Wow. Playing man. drums. Yeah, so you man. get about eight of those a month, you good. I bet. Oh wow! Yeah, and and and, and but that's that was way before the drum machine. Shortly after the drum machine came in, right. of course, and kind of like you know messed some stuff up. It's a clever machine, mm-hmm. but it it would never be as good as the human machine right. because 
uh, once you take the human soul out of the element, you lose in half of your soul. Like the drum machine, you can't, you know, you can't go up, you can't, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. just too, it's cool, but it's not. Right. In terms of really getting to the heart and soul of everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially on the live performance, right. especially on the live performance, and they just took that all the way out of the game. Yeah, they sure did. For what? black music, for black music, not white music, black music. Mm-hmm. That's true. I know that's, it's, it's, that's one of my yeah, biggest pet peeves yeah. too, man. And you, you're speaking our language, <clears throat> man. Let's take a. We're gonna take yeah. a. a, a uh, do a quick little interlude here and uh, talk to uh, J.W. Moore on the other side. We're going to talk to him a little bit about his work with Bernie and then also his wonderful, wonderful solo albums. And uh, we're going to talk some more with uh, Jim Wright, a.k.a. J.W. with a, 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 a exclamation part mark, right? Exclamation yeah. mark? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it, man. Because right. you look at J and you do the double, it comes back to you, man. <laughs> right on man alright we'll talk you know some more I, mean? I know what you mean I smell you <laughs> I smell what you're cooking Everybody that I know that um, is a funketeer 
has a special place in the heart for the first Bernie Worrell solo album, All the Woo in the World, mm-hmm. which also yeah, came, came out uh, in 78. And uh, okay. you, you had a pretty, you had a, you had a good relationship with Bernie, right? Bernie and his wife. Yeah, 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 at the time. Yeah, yeah, Bernie and Judy would come by the house, you know. Um, yeah, but I had a good relationship with them, yes. How did, how did it come about that you got on the, the Bernie album? Well, that was just part of the 10 tracks I was talking about. See, when oh. you're cutting, when we're cutting... Was that all in the same night? And you, all in the same night. We had a hell of a night that night. <laughs> you know, I'm a pocket drummer. Yeah, you know, I'm a we were just talking about that before it, we... We were just talking about that, me and Jay uh, Stone, before we called you. you yeah, yeah, you're in the pocket there. Yeah, I'm the pocket, and it makes it easier for vocals, and it makes it easier. I'm not one of them guys going to try to do the crazy role. You know, that's just not me. Now, you can overdub now, stuff like that or punch stuff in, but the pocket. Now, you're taking, people, so, to, you're taking people to school right now because I like what you're saying because I, I know some people, I'm not going to name them, that need to listen to you right now because... Not just drummers, but you're talking about like doing stuff that's out of the way of the vocalist. See, good, yeah, good musicians, yeah, you got to yeah. listen to the other people, and especially when vocalists come in, you got to do something. Yeah, to accompany that, not just play through and make a lot of noise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you usually when the vocals come in, you drop it down a little bit on the volume, Thank so you. they can hear it's all of. You drop it down, and you just you stay in the pocket and you feel the groove. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. it's really about the song and everybody's part is part of the puzzle That's right. for the song to make it sound the way it does. But you have certain cats don't want to follow the rules and just play the damn part <laughs> you're supposed to be playing <laughs> and not, you know, zigzagging and getting out of the lane. Yeah, noodling around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like drunk driver, drunk driver, you are in the lane. <laughs> well, also, sometimes when you do a live show, like, cats are trying to show out for the girlfriend in the audience exactly. or maybe... Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really about, it's really about well, it all depends on the person that's doing the music because the music and the music, see, the music industry is different from entertainment. And people get confused who do top 40. That's entertainment. You're mm-hmm. playing other people's songs. Right. But you ha- even if you're playing it very well, don't get it twisted and believe the hype thinking that you created that. Mm-hmm. And that's where guys would get confused with writing songs and being part of the industry with publishing and all of the business is totally different. It's a different vibe. It's a different realm of spirituality, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Most folks want to just show out mm-hmm. and not really, and not really think about the audience. Cause it's really about the audience. What can you, what can you give them that's going to last? Right. Because you only there for a minute. They've been waiting on you. <laughs> two, three weeks, right? Sure Waiting enough. on you two, yeah. three weeks. And so what are you going to give them other than you expecting them to tell you how good you are? They told you that when they bought the ticket. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So it's really about you giving them everything you got as best you can. But that's, like I say, it's a spiritual thing. And a lot of people haven't really connected into that because it's pretty much about them. And they don't realize it's about everybody. And on that note, and, JW, I yeah. think we should all woo together. Let's, <laughs> let's, your segues are brilliant. That's what I'm saying. Let's woo <laughs> together. And then I have some questions on the other side. Bernie was on it. Working with uh, on Bernie's songs, did he um, did he take the lead on that session, or is it still George? Like on the well, pretty much George was the producer of everything. Pretty much, pretty much. Now, him and Boosie producer, yeah, him and Badu- Boosie produced uh, some things together, and I think Bernie might be part producer on that record. I have to look on it, but uh, but George was pretty much the guy in charge, mm-hmm. and. It was his, once you cut cut the track, then they started the vocals. But see, at any given time, when you're recording, a lot of times you just have, say if you're doing an album, you, you, you might have like eight, seven songs you're working on at the same time. So 
you go as far as you can on one song and you take a break and you might come back and say, well, put up such and such. Right. Let me work on that. I'm saying that to say a lot of times you might not even be there while they're working on that song. You know that you started it. Yeah. And and quite honestly, I I had gotten a call from a friend in Hollywood to tell me I was on Bernie's album because I was hanging out somewhere. Mm. And you just don't know where the tracks are going to go. You, know, you just cut <laughs> so and you, you move on. The album. <laughs> because y'all was doing the, the whole uh, load of them at one time. Just yeah, doing a whole load of them. Right. You so know, in other it words, might you... go on the bride. It might go on the bride. It might go on Parlette. Right. It Got might you. go on the horny horns. And these compositions. You know, so you, yeah, you just cut. And, yeah. and, and I get a call. And at that time, it was big. When, you know, you're doing recordings and you're able to get your name on a national record, right. you know, that helps you get more work. And, of course, it was impressive to your peers. Right. What were you going to ask, And so that's, these compositions? Yeah, these compositions. So, George, what, as far as producing in Bootsy, what would be their role as a producer? They would come up with the songs, the composition, or what? Right. Well, yeah, and, and George might hear, say, for instance, you might just be playing some stuff yeah. and he might hear something that you plan and he say, hold up, Do go that. back. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, then he would, he would start directing you from there and, and from there he can make a song out of it. So that, that could, would possibly make you part songwriter. Right. You know, if you, if you smart enough to speak up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Got you. Okay. <laughs> if you're not Word. smart enough to speak up, I don't know. Yeah. He will keep you around for a while. In this business, some cats, you know, in this business, unfortunately, you have very few people who try to teach you the business. That's true. And sure. this is why a lot of people end up like they they are. Because you you get in it young, just with talent, mm -hmm. and that is just really no more significant than a bar of soap when you break it down. Mm. Because it's a product, and okay, if your if your product doesn't do well, and plus you're the last person to get paid, <laughs> you know, <It's> right. <laughs> You're the last one to get paid and and you don't and you have to have a really good team that really care about you that is gonna treat you well. But when those numbers come in and that money come in and and when that money pass different hands, it's like any other dope deal. Right. right. <laughs> you know, with the middle man and the dude right. with the product and the man with the middle that know the dude with the thing. It's like what she is. Right. This cost that and it, you know. Yeah. And when it gets to the artist, it's like, well, this is what you get. You're like, damn. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let's check let's check out um there's one more there's one more tune on that album that's really tasty. It's kind of jazzy. Happy to have happiness on our side. Let's, I just want to listen a little bit of this. Actually, yeah, I believe Bernie's yeah. singing lead on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. What's that yeah, swing? That's a good track. Swing, like brother, track. swing. Oh, my Lord, that bass line is... Oh, my God. Right, right, right. 
Looking at what I almost blew I'm glad I talked myself into loving you Looking at what I almost missed I'm so glad I didn't resist Pictures you painted of love When your eyes met mine The promise of happiness When you speak of anything Girl, in you I do confide I'm happy to have happiness on our side Said I'm happy to have happiness on our side Consider the odds for all against the happiness in your eyes I'm happy to have the happiness they describe Guys, though it was one hell of a fight And that's what we're doing here at Ace Out Podcast. We're in your corner. We're giving you a toast. You're ignored by most, but we're giving you a toast. And we're celebrating. Here we are celebrating. Right, JW? JW, that's right. What was? Uh, let me ask you about some cats. What was Glenn Goins like? Yes, Glenn was a beautiful cat, man. How so? Glenn was just a beautiful. I mean, his personality. He, you know, uh, he was quiet. Mm-hmm. At least when I was around him, but he would engage in conversation. And he was a worker. He was serious about what he what he what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But he was a good guy, man. Real good guy. Yeah, he seemed like and it was tripped out, man. It was crazy when I did the session because they didn't know I was going to play. Glenn, Gary, and and Boog, they didn't know I was going to play. Like, this but they knew I played. They well, they knew me. Okay, but this is a this is a session. You know, this is the real shit. Right. You know, this is this is this they is you, no amateur shit. Right. They knew you and hanging so around, they, but. At United Artists. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, we about to take this boy and we going to play with him? <laughs> uh, so they looking at each other like, okay, duh, okay. And right from the outset, we were in. They looked at each other, gave the okay sign, and it, we, we, it was all in. Nice. How about you know, Eddie, how about yeah, Eddie Hazel? How, what was Eddie Hazel like? Oh, Eddie, man. Eddie... Eddie was funny, mm-hmm. uh, a serious musician, man. Yeah. You know, sensitive guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eddie was cool, man. Eddie was. Eddie was. You know, he was funny, man. That's nice. You know, he was funny. You know. You worked I, with the horny I, horns. I remember. You worked with the. Oh, so go ahead about Eddie. You remember? <laughs> no, I was just saying. I remember. I, we took a ride. You know, back in. When Chocolate City first came out, I think I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And I have an older brother, you know, uh, he was about 22 at the time. And at this particular time, you know, it wasn't a tour bus or anything at all. And and by us knowing the guys, my brother had a, a nice pink and white El Dorado, Cadillac El Dorado. <laughs> and we drove that mug where he drove, and it was... 
It was me and Eddie in the back seat. Wow, cool. And Ber- and and Bernie in the front seat with my brother. But we j- took the ride up to Chicago from Detroit. Oh yeah. Because these they end up uh, opening up. It was the craziest thing ever. They opened up for Earth, Wind, and Fire at the McCormick Theater. Wow. So this had to be like 73, 74. You probably have never seen that. <laughs> but George, Parliament had Chocolate City out and Earth, Wind, and Fire had uh, Mighty Mighty out. Mm-hmm. But that was a memorable ride, just hanging a few hours with Eddie, talking. He ended up getting into another vehicle at the rest stop, you know, and I forgot who else jumped in, but Y'all had drums in the, uh, El Dorado? No, we were just, they had drums in another uh, vehicle. Uh-huh. And uh, other guys were in different cars or a couple of bands, right. you know, like right. Ray, Grady, Fuzzy, Kiki. Uh, oh, my God. Billy. Billy, yes, yeah, Billy was on, Billy play, was playing, too. Billy. Billy Bass? Uh, Billy Bass, Bernie. Did y'all have roadies? Uh, Oh, you your own roadie? Maybe one up, one or two, man. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't no big time shit, no big shit at all. You could be like, turn my monitor up, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was guitar. like y'all doing a gig. Nah, say y'all do a gig. Say, yeah. hey, man, we got a gig in L.A. So right. your boys who hanging around yeah. on the job is like, nigga, you dry. Yeah, you you, you want to hang? Yeah. You know, you give a mug a job. That's right. And let's keep this thing I'll moving. Keep you fed. Move my shit. Uh. Yeah. I, hey, it's like I got two dollars and an order of French fries. Now, nah, yeah, come yeah. on, now. I've been there, dude. You know, and, and got all. We, you know, we we got the goodies. You know, but hey, yeah. let's go. Come on now. You gotta mm-hmm. make it right. Hey, but yo, that was a memorable time with Eddie, man. Oh, yeah. wow. that's you're, Oh, my God. So many amazing times you've had. Let me ask you, speaking of that um, amazing times, is it true um, when I was doing research, uh, I saw something about you saw, like, Flashlight getting made, the song Flashlight, like you were hanging around, you saw? Yeah, yeah. Well, the end, they were finishing up the vocals. So, flat. okay, cool. So, Flashlight, that's, uh, I believe that's like a Bernie, Bootsy, George... Uh, yeah, thing. they were. And you they were in were the room when they were coming. Up, I, yeah, I was in the room. It was a uh, Glenn, Deb, Ray, Gary, and some about like and people. Every, everybody was tired. Like they kind of wanted to go home, but they was tired, man. It's like two, three, four in the morning, and George is <laughs> like, he was geeked, man. He was <laughs> like, come on, man, we almost done. We almost done. You know, and they're like, shit. (laughs) They're like, you know, and that's why at the end of it, how you hear that powerful, the way that you really listen. they saying, under the sun, under the sun, like, let's get the fuck out of here, under the sun, under the sun. You know, I'm gonna that's go how they it. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna listen to that now. Now yeah. I know they're, they're like about to pass yeah. out, right? When, <laughs> when you hear that last thing, they like saying it like, dude, yeah. you better get this they mean one. it. <laughs> you know, and once they hit that one, he was like, okay, we done, man. Yeah. And everybody just like, oh, man. you know, release that because, you know, when you're doing, at that particular time, you know, you didn't have the technology. When you're doing vocals and you're doing everything, you're doing it, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. singing the same hook yeah. 10 times in a row, yeah, yeah. you're singing it. Have they? Yeah, and then you want to get the best take you can get. Yeah. 
and then you overdub or whatever, whatever. But yeah, that was I caught the tail end. That's sweet of them land the last of flashlight. And definitely the under the sun. That was some funny shit, man. <laughs> you know, and everybody, you know, it it was funny. It was really funny because they were really tired. Like, dude, you killing me? <laughs> it's like George coming. He's geek. He's like, y'all not going nowhere. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so George really, he really deserves a lot of credit, man, for getting this stuff over the finish line. You know, all these talented people making, you know, making sure they get their work done. Oh, speaking of that, yeah, speaking yeah. of that, we got a little exclusive. So you're here to say today also that you are playing uncredited. You are on the One Nation Under the Groove album on Who Says a Funk Band Can't Play Rock? Yes. Is that correct? Yes, I am. And That's that, correct. Let's, let's hear a little bit of that. Let's hear a little bit of that. Get a little taste. Okay, good deal. Surprisingly, Mudbone told me, man. I came to the studio. Gary Mudbone Cooper, the great falsetto vocalist. Yeah, Yeah, Gary Mudbone. I came down to the studio, you know, working or whatever reason. For whatever reason, I was down there. Mm -hmm. And he he immediately hugged me and like, man, you playing that thing Mm -hmm. on Who Says a Funk Band Can't Play Rock and Roll. And... 
I was disappointed I didn't get the credit, but I know it's me because I'm the pocket dude, and I know, right. you know, and plus, Mudbone would know. They have it written on the uh, the sheets. Yeah. The, uh, the studio the logs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got it down, yeah, so, and I'm sure, you know, the theme was when you were hearing, just like we do now, when you hear something you like, you'll say, who is that playing? Right. You know, like, who is that on guitar, man? Who is that on sax? Right. And so, you know, while they were listening to it or mixing it, you know, he found out that was me playing. And, uh... Why were you uncredited? Uh, Just a mix-up or something? Well, you know, shit, there was a lot going on, and it wasn't like, you know... Apologies. G was always having a party, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just the liner notes. You know, I'm one of those people. I read all the liner notes on the P Funk albums. They're yeah. pretty detailed. So, but I guess you can make a mistake. There's so many people. It's like a hundred people. Yeah, in the album. and then I and then I've seen my name on records that I didn't think I was on. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Right. At least your name's uh, in there you somewhere, know. right? Yeah, hey. I mean, you know, and see, I after the Parlette fiasco. I, I immediately, uh, uh, it, it was such a traumatic situation for me. I laid out for a couple of months. And when I came back to work, I started working with Don Davis. Now, Don Davis was the guy that owned the P-Funk Lab. Right. And so he was he was a producer in his own right. He was already established, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, so, doing the things the right way. You so know, did you cut yourself off for saying from the, the P-Funk? No, no, scene? I didn't cut myself off. Bob, I worked in the same building. Right. But I could have I could have stayed, you know, to eventually work with P-Funk or the Brides or whoever. Mm -hmm. But with the situation with my sister, I didn't really like the way it was handled. And I didn't think that was the right place for me. Right. But that's not to say I don't love the guys. Right. You know, sure. it's just it was basically my wake up call and in, in, in the industry and this industry is extremely hard. And a lot of people, quite frankly, you know, they don't give a fuck about you. Right. You know, yep. when I it know. comes to, you know, I mean, that's just being real. You yep. know, all the smiles aside, when it comes down to your happiness and and your vibe, you got to take care of yourself. So. I learned about writing and publishing. Yeah. I learned real quick that just being a drummer just wasn't going to do it. That's right. Right. So eventually I got into, by Don being the owner of the studio, I was persistent in getting in touch with him. And when he finally called, I told him I can write hit records. So go. he sent me over to one of his partners with Brian Spears, and I started doing demos. And that's how I learned my producing skills through him. Mm. And from there, signing with him, I signed a artist. Me and Deb was working with him. I signed an artist, writer, and producer contract. And then signing these contracts, you know, uh, it was cool for a minute. But then he did tell me that anytime I was uncomfortable, I can get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I eventually did because it just something didn't feel right in terms of signing 
your life over to a company or putting your life in somebody else's hand mm -hmm. when you doing a lot of the work in terms of writing, producing, and they just basically paying you a salary and they end up owning all of your stuff. Right. And so, so you went independent. I decided, yeah, I said, well, I need to put my own records out, man. Right. And this was in 1985 and, and it was unheard of. And you know, sure, yeah, I right. didn't have, yeah, I didn't even have no money, man. I was just taking step by step. Yeah, people didn't and, put out their and, own records at that time. Yeah, and so, and thank God that record's still moving to this day. It was, uh, you know what she said, and talking to myself. Yeah, and man. so and I wasn't really, but I always had a relationship with everybody in the group. I just decided to, you know, get in my little pod mm -hmm. and leave the mothership for a minute. Got you. And when you, and when you left the yeah. mothership and got in your groove... Um, you really got into something, man. Let's, hey, DJ, uh, DJ Ways, let's get into some, uh, Hurt So Bad. Let's soak up because, uh, the man we're talking to, JW, as a solo artist, it's really on another level. And when it got around to 2001, is that when you put out the album, I'll See You Soon? Yes, yes. Ooh. You hear that, Jay Stone? That's it. <laughs> yes. Who's playing on this? <laughs> Who's playing? Mm. Who's playing on this, JW? Oh, uh, I'm playing um, clavinet drums. Uh, Torrance Scott is playing bass. Billy Ooh. Parker is playing guitar. And my wife, Renee, is actually playing piano. Your wife, Renee, is playing piano? Beautiful. Yes, and uh, that's, that's this brother named E-Man on saxophone. All right. And All right. Deidre Adams on vocals with me. Okay. That's nice. Let's soak it up. Day. I don't want to 
take ill. I don't wanna take another pill. I don't wanna go crazy. I got this off of Spotify. That's a great place to find some JW. Go on Spotify. That's an album called I'll See You Soon from 2001. And that was a great tune called Hurt So Bad. That sounds great, man. So I just love that. It's hard to manage um, funk when it's that slow to keep it in the pocket and not speed up. Uh, That was the uh, uh, hard part about doing sessions and when you were good at what you were doing in terms of a good bass player, good drummer, mm-hmm. you would be on call because time, you know, the timing was essential, mm-hmm. you know, to hit because it's about the feel, it's about the groove, right. it's about whatever tempo and a lot of, you know, uh, musicians might not understand you should be able to play things the same riff or what have you. Let it be slow, fast, but keep the time and find the groove. Yeah, and keep that and, consistency. And, yeah, keep that consistency. Yeah, yeah. Consistency you and know, memory. And, consistency and yeah, memory and is so important the, in music. Yeah, man. And uh, cutting that record, it was, you know, it was heaven sent pretty much. You know, especially at the time of my life, uh, wanting to continue to do what I do despite the environment, despite whatever you're going through in life, you know, because it's really, uh, you just have to do it. It's no particular time. Well, I'm going to do this when this happens. No, you just do it because life is going to continue to go on. And life is so unexpected mm-hmm. when it comes to each individual's just things you challenges you have to deal with. So you try to merge that into whatever art form that you're doing at the time. You know, let it be painting, writing, you know, whatever, skiing, shit. I, mean, I don't know. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one song yeah. um, I thought was really interesting on the album was "Ever Wonder Why." Uh, it's yeah. kind of almost got like a jazz fusion-y kind of thing. It's really interesting. Uh, let, yeah. Let's check out a little bit of that. This is this is like a whole different kind of funk right here. This is really good, too. Ooh, listen to this. There it is.
Talk Box. Who's playing that? Yeah. Who's playing that guitar there? Oh, that's uh, Billy Parker. Yeah, I like me some Billy Parker. <laughs> that's Billy. Billy is Billy. Actually, Billy is the guitar player on White Boy. He played on a lot of stuff. Did you White write that Boy song? Deal. Did you write that? Uh, uh, did you write Ever Wonder Why? Yes. Yes. What, is playing, the, what, are the, uh, what are you talking about in the lyrics there? It basically speaks for itself. The question that everyone asks. You know, in times of despair, pretty much. You know, why the fuck am I here, man? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you you here to tell your story yeah. about your love and glory, about the pain you feel in your life. You won't forget it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's really what it's about. And, you know, it, it's really about, you know, the human soul, I would think, you know. Church, man, that, church. That groove is nice. Yeah, that's, 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 you know, where that song came from. And a lot of those songs, they kind of just happen. You know, I just follow the lead, what right. my imagination, the spirit, what have you, tell me what to say or what have you. It's not like I really write it down. Actually, I write it down mm-hmm. after the song is done. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I started off. It. Yeah, I just turn the track on and, yeah. and, and and it tells me what to do and uh, kind of put it together like a puzzle, so right. to speak. Yeah, yeah, I love that cut. Hey, you let know. me ask you something. Did did uh, Bootsy Collins one time call your house because he needed some drumsticks? The the, yeah, the, the music well, store wasn't it was open. Bernie, it was, it was Bernie who called Bootsilla album or something. I think he had to be working on the. He could have been working on the Stretching Out album, his first uh, album. Uh-huh. And then he could have been working. He could have been working on a funk of that because Boosie played drums on some tracks, too. He played drums as well. Oh, right, right, right. Bootsy played drums yeah. on stuff. And so, yeah. So, so it what, was, what like was the story? Four, what happened? Well, it was about 4, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and yeah. they were ready to cut and do some drum tracks and... <laughs> For some reason, there was no drumsticks in the studio. <laughs> That's wild. And so Bernie called me. It was Bernie who called. Uh-huh. And I was maybe 17, 18, still living with the moms. Oh, they called your mom's and, house at four in the morning? Yeah, well, you know, that's how we were. You know, <laughs> they were looking for, well, I answered the phone. Okay, but I had to wake the I had to wake my mother up to say, "Can I use the car?" I'm like, "Mom, <laughs> Boosie needs some drumsticks. <laughs> they want me to bring some drumsticks down to the studio. Can wow. I use your ride?" She's like, <laughs> and she said yes. Now that shit was crazy, but Man. my mom's, you know, she was, you know, did the gospel thing when she was a child, so she was kind of, oh, okay, you know, open. She was always so she was a open fellow traveler. To, yeah, and so, and she knew Bernie, she knew Boosie, she knew George, she knew what they did. Were they nice to your mom? And, oh, yeah. Good, that's oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, but that, and I think, I think I didn't leave the studio until that next evening. Oh, so you went, yeah. you brought the sticks, and you didn't come back till the next night? <laughs> what about the car? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't coming back. I made sure she didn't need it. <laughs> oh, okay, you're a good son. You made sure she yeah. didn't need the car? Yeah, I didn't. I made sure. I wasn't going to just drop no drumsticks off, man, and leave. Come on, now. <laughs> that ain't, it wasn't going to work like that. 
<laughs> and she knew that. It's like, what, I'm going to come straight home? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either. I don't blame you. How are you going to do? Okay, bye. I'm going to leave this session. Yeah, right. Yeah, how are you going to do that, man? <laughs> you know, um, they opened the door, and you know it was a party going on. Right. You know it was a party going on. And I'm going to leave this? I'm the mug that brought the sticks, man. Yeah. You're the hero, right? Were you the hero? I'm the hero, baby. <laughs> but that's a true story, man. That is a true story. Oh, yeah. man. You Bernie guys... was the one that called, though. <laughs> you, got yeah. so many, you got so many cool anecdotes, man. Way better than mine, I'll tell you that. Hey, yo, uh, JW also has a great album called Love Every Day. Love Every Day. It came out in 2003. And uh, J Dub, I really like the song "Wise Up, Rise Up." Um, and oh, let, let's good groove, deal. Let's, let's groove good to deal. that. Let's groove to that. Wise up, rise up. Okay. Okay. get one of those cassette tapes i'm gonna put that on a cassette tape i'm gonna get a ghetto blaster get me some fresh d batteries 
I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to blast that song right in front of the White House. What do you think, Ooh, J.W.? See, see, I think that would be an excellent thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you I think get on that the bus would be with me? one of the most. I think, I think you will become the world's hero. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, 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 if you, and if you send me a ticket in the room, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> right on, brother. We're going to woo I'll together. Be, I'll, I'll tell be you that. right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, you know, though. Uh, they, need to, they need to rise up, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. But it's, all, but it's all good. You know, everything happened for a reason, man. You know, mm-hmm. life goes on. Time goes on. And, you know, these are just mere men. You oh, know, right. these mugs. That's good yeah, to remember these that. Mugs die off too. Yeah, these mugs die off too, and that's why <laughs> mugs go crazy. These mugs you die know, off too. I like that. Yeah, these <laughs> mugs die off too. And seriously, know? though, and, everybody and, in, the, in the studio here, when that song started playing, we all kind of looked at each other. We really were digging on the um, the panned uh, the two bass guitars on that track. Yeah. Uh, pan, we were like we were we were uh, funking off of that. So. Um, oh yeah, that's brother Torrance. That's Torrance Scott too. Yeah, the, that's Torrance. Sounds great, Torrance. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, those grooves are deep, and the the production is great. It just sounds really wonderful. Oh, and, thank um, you, brother. And uh, you also have uh, merchandise for all this stuff. And we're gonna have, by the way, on aceoutpodcast.com website, we're gonna have um, uh, links to all this stuff. So you have like hats and T-shirts for all these songs for like Love Every Day and all that stuff, right, JW? Yeah. Yeah, I market uh, with song titles. Uh, of course, I want the white boy deal, T-shirt, hoodies, hats, baseball caps. Uh, love every day, under your business. Uh, it looks like some good gear, smile. too. It looks good, too. It's, 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 it's nice gear. It's, it's great hoodies, you know, keep you warm in that season. Uh, the T-shirts are cool. Uh, I have... Some females, or you know, they would take the T-shirt and cut it up like they want to cut it up to be artistic with it. Okay. And uh, it's it's really about you know because sometimes I cut the sleeves and and cut a little V-neck in it. And right but on. it's really about the message. It's really about the vibe of because because words are extremely powerful. Right. And when people read certain words. Those those titles and words are kind of like things that kind of protect you, man. Once you go outside of your domain, right? You know, I mean, you know, a mug read "Love Every Day" on your shirt that can't bring nothing but a smile and say, "Well, he's cool, man. I know, right. I know, he ain't gonna give us no trouble." <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, now you know, I had a, right. I, I had a, 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 a crazy comical uh, 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 theme of with the Love Everyday t-shirt, you could you could be held hostage on the airplane and, and, and the mug see your t-shirt and say, you can go, man. I like that, but, but can, I have that, can I have that t-shirt before you go? <laughs> that would be, be a great commercial. You know, that would be a great commercial. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, uh, and White Boy Deal is heavy too, man. The White Boy Deal is really heavy. Uh, yeah. I wish... You know, uh, some of our people were more uh, bold enough to wear because it's really what what you might not be aware of that Caucasians really dig it. You know, I had a I had a they woman. Dig, they I dig had the shirt. The shirt on. 
Yeah, they dig I want the white boy deal. Well, I had a, <laughs> I was in a, I was in a, uh, well, I had white folks buy the shirt, man. Cool. They, they, they would jump, they would jump on it in a minute and black folks would be a little bit hesitant <laughs> because it is a bold statement, but it's the truth. Right. JW, man, I, I really appreciate you and your, your words and stuff. And, um, we are, we, I could talk to you for a week, man, but we are running out of time here. Um, I want to, before we go, um, it's just been such an honor to speak to you. First of all, it's been an honor and just, uh, well, going over the music with, with you, you guys. talking about Parlette and, uh, your sister, of course, just like we speak your sister's name too, Deb, you know, she's just such an icon. And just one last thing before we go, though, we got to talk about the boots, and we're gonna have pictures. Of, <laughs> we're gonna have pictures of these boots on the Aced Out Podcast website, okay. y'all. So if you listen okay. to us on Stitcher okay. or iTunes, be sure to go to the website, and you'll see a picture of these boots. So you're selling these okay. boots. Tell me about these boots. These are from the Placebo Syndrome Tour. Yeah, these 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 boots are from the he wore them on the album cover. Mm. Uh, Funk Intellecti versus Placebo Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it and was one him. tour. It was one tour that he did. And when him and Deb came off stage... Him being George uh, Clinton, by the way. T- yeah, I'm right. I'm sorry. Yeah, George Clinton. <laughs> 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 See, that's how well we know him. I'm thinking everybody know him like me, like him. Him as in George Clinton. Yeah. Uh, and my sister came off stage and George took the boots off. He said, these boots hurt my damn feet. <laughs> he said, you want, he said, you want these boots? And she said, yeah. And that's how we came to be ownership of the boots. And I had the boots for a few decades, you know, nice. and trying to get budget money. And an associate of mine said, well, dude, why don't you have George sign them? I mean, we know they're his boots, but getting to sign them. So my partner, Keith Jackson of P-Funk Radio, he promoted a gig in Winston-Salem. So I went to the gig, and I had George sign them. I took them out the little case I have them in. Mm. And when he saw the boots, he went... He went lurch like the Adams said, you going to sell my boots. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to just look at it as a royalty check, baby. Oh. <laughs> wow. so, he, so he knows because he signed them. I mean, he was cool. He saw him. He was like, oh, oh, you going to sell my boots. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, shit. <laughs> you know, it's, come on, baby. Yeah, yeah. You got him with the royalty I mean, check line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's shit. talk turkey. He still owe me money, man. G still owe me money. Let's talk you turkey. Know, How so much do you want for these boots? Can I give you fifty bucks for these boots? Yeah, I'll take fifty bucks and a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> no, really. What's, what, how much you want for these? Well, it's really about a bid of six figures or more, right. and it all depends on how mother catch me that day. So this is a. And it all this, depends. This is an. It's an, a uh, private sale. It really will be a private sale. That's right. This is a funketeer and, artifact. This is. Uh, yeah. our, our man, he wants to sell this privately to uh, to summarize what we've gone over. He's got some boots. How tall would you say these boots are, uh, J Dub? They go up to they, like your uh, knees, right? 
Yeah, they go close to your knees, and man. And the heels they look like boots, man. They're kind of like Kiss, the, heels, the band Kiss. They're yeah, similar. Yeah, they like the Kiss boots. Yeah, they like the Kiss thing, and they, they really a uh, 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 historic artifact, man. And right, I was saying right, right. Honest, yeah, they're, they're, they're from artifact, the, and it's on the cover with flashlight. It's on the cover of the album, and they were worn at live with shows. Flashlight. Yeah, yeah, and to be honest, bidding starts course, at six I love figures. George, I love everybody. Yeah, you know, but hey, man, I'm trying to keep my production going. Of course, and you got to do what you got to do. Of course, and it's like you know, I mean, shit. That's my boy. I know him, so the boots will mean something more to somebody else mm-hmm. than me. To be honest, you know, right? I mean, I I know him. You know, we could. You know, we know each other for so long. Besides, hell, he said it. You gonna sell my boots? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and because, <laughs> shit, <laughs> I love you, baby, but come on. <laughs> You'll do the same thing. Ta- You'll do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just want to throw that out there. It's not like G doesn't know. Right, so, yeah, right. And this is just, yeah, this is just so it's how it is, it's sanctioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, this and is George just how like it a, is, He's man. not going to hate on you for that. And uh, we're talking... No, I still, I still give him this little, you know, if it's big enough, I might throw him a couple of dollars. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. just just on, 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 on karma, you know. You sure yeah, you want to go on the record with check. that? Or? <laughs> I, I, you know, it all depends on how I feel that day. <laughs> I mean, me and G, me and G got a real, you know. I've known him for so long, and he has been through a lot, man. And he, he, you know, sure. with me, it's half and half. It's half and half. Half of me digging, half of me wish he would have did things a little better. Sure, you know. But I don't. That's but fair. I don't hold that against him. I don't hold that against him one bit. Because everybody make their own choices, just like I made my choice to split. I what do you think about the thing? What do you think about George Clinton retiring this year? Yeah, he's never gonna retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, he been saying re- he been, he was talking about retire in nineteen seventy six. Been one long go, huh? I don't think he's going to ever retire because I don't think he'll know what to do. I mean, he, if he retired from live shows, I could see that. Sure. But I okay. think, you know, he would go straight into commercials, movies, reality shows, art galleries. He would be busy in some kind of way. So he might retire from live shows, maybe. I don't know. Right. You know, but he's been saying that for a couple of years already. He said that in Atlanta, I think, in in, in April, and then he did another gig in July. So, right. what does that tell you? Yeah, I saw him and in July. Then, I saw him in uh, Atlanta. Uh, by the way, man, I'm so okay. sorry. I'm so sorry. Right, you and Nate went to the gig. Yeah, right, we went, right. Yeah. You and Nate went to the gig. Yeah, we and Nat went to the gig. Um, yo, uh, by the way, man, it's been so great. Talking to you, Nat Collins, uh, uh, Jay Stone's older brother, he he told me, man, oh, I know this guy, man. He's got to get on your podcast, man. He played he played with Parlette, and I was like, what? And then he told me you're uh, uh, Debbie Wright's brother. 
and uh, he he's really he's responsible for getting you on and like turning me on to you. And uh, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you over the last uh, month or so. And um, I'm likewise, really, brother. I'm, yeah, I'm really, Nat, Nat. So y'all call him Nat. I call him Nate. Y'all call him Nat. Nat, Nate. You know. Nat, Nate. To me. Tomato, 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 potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> My brother. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm yeah, glad that... brother Nate is cool, man. He's a good brother, man. Yeah, he's he a is good cool. Brother. And I'm glad to have gotten to know you. I yeah. wish I, I wish I found out before I moved here back to um, the Bay Area in California. I could have met you in person. Hopefully, someday we can hang out. And uh, yeah, I'm just so great to uh, speak your name and blow you up with this episode. This has been a great interview. We're going to put all your info um, so people can buy your stuff and check out your merchandise and learn about what you did. We're also going to put up some pictures from your scrapbook, pictures you took backstage of like Bernie and his wife okay, and Fuzzy. Good deal. Yeah. We're going to put those up too, all right? Yeah. Nice. And it's just good been great. Deal. Well, thanks, thanks for, t- thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk to you cats, man, because... Uh, you're That's very, really what it's very about, welcome. man. That's really what it's about. Get my We're, story. You're very about welcome. That. Okay, good deal. Sweet. Right on, man. And uh, you know what? I'll smell you later. How's that? That sounds good, dog. <laughs> no one knows where the nose goes when the doors are closed. No. <laughs> we'll see you when we come out there. Talk to, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. I'll see you a message, okay? Catch you on the turnaround. Right, good night. Good night. Have a good night. All right.
Jay Stone. We yeah. did it again, man. Yes, sir. That was cool. He man. was a cool dude. Yes, I think I got baptized by the group. Hey, what you was know, that? In the pocket. I thought it was wind chimes. Was that his phone? What was that I, sound in the background? Yeah, it sounded like his phone, like one of the wind chime ad, I mean, you know, ringer on the iPhone. For some reason, I kind of liked it. It kind of yeah. made sense during the interview. Right. <laughs> I hope people didn't get too... Uh, too put out by that but uh it, it was a great great interview it was an honor to talk to him i'm just great to like blow him up some more man and oh, man. Uh, he had some great stories and uh it was great that he uh honored uh, his sister too oh, and uh, we got great shows coming up in the future i'm back back in the bay area means i'm gonna be uh doing more installments of the aced out podcast we nice. are gonna take it up a notch now that we are together again physically in Let's the same space yes right and uh, thank you, Jay Stone. I know you got to get to a rehearsal, so I don't yeah, want to keep you no too worries. long. It's all to the good. Uh, I just want to congratulate you again. We're going to put a link. Uh, you guys looked at the aceoutpodcast.com website. We're going to put an easy-to-find link to our appearance on right. the Ricky Vincent History of Funk show. KPFA yes. in Berkeley. Ricky Vincent is a professor who wrote the book on funk. Yes. Literally. History of History funk. History of funk. It is a classic. It is a must-read. He teaches at UC Berkeley. He teaches a great class. I took the class myself. I don't think he remembered that, but he loved the album, and it was a great episode, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Congratulations again. Could you tell us about where to get the album again? Yeah, uh, man. You Jay can Stone? get that album on Amazon, iTunes, CD Baby, or wherever music is sold. You know, they're, uh, they're really helping us out over there from disc makers. You know, we got the pro distribution, so... It, should, it could go to Guinea, uh, Gambia, Germany, wherever you said that people were listening to, they could pick it up, you know? That's wonderful, man. And yeah. I, I just think it sounds great. I'm really proud of you for putting it together. Thanks for keeping the fire alive, working on that album, mixing it, especially when I, you know, I was out of state for a, a couple of years and... Oh, yeah. I just really appreciate you keeping uh, me in the mix, keeping me involved. We're reunited. We're going to play some live shows. That's We're going right. to play our, our festivals. Speaking I can't of wait. That, man. Yeah, I go think, ahead. Uh, we have a show with the American Indian Movement November 30th in San Francisco. Hey, hey. Check it out. Right on, man. Yes, sir. Great. And uh, by the way, I forgot last episode. I want to say an RIP to Bushwick Bill of the Ghetto Boys. Oh, yeah. uh, I forgot to say that last time. Um, I want to say, uh, sorry you couldn't make it to Monster, who helped hook up this whole deal, hooked me up with Nick's and introduced me to him. Uh, see you on the next side. Uh, this is actually our one-year anniversary of doing the Ace Out podcast, That's Jay Stone. Yeah. We recorded our first episode on October 8th, and today, as we record this, Man. it is October 8th. Oh, my God, dude. We needed some cake. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh, don't, hey, don't say anniversary right. That's a joke that we don't want to explain. <laughs> All right. And oh, by the way, I saw today that Morris Day just came out with a memoir. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I put it on my Amazon list. Uh, it's called A Princely Life in Funk. And it's actually him talking to Prince, right, Jay? You yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like Prince is in his ear talking to him presently, <laughs> like right now. Nice. And I recommend that, man. That's really cool. Right. Prince is in my ear talking to me sometimes. You I know? bet. But anyway, um, we're going to keep uh, keep it 100. We're going to say goodbye and smell you later. Um, and look for our next episode, which is going to come out real quick, y'all. And thanks again. You guys, we're going to listen to another track from the album, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, otherwise known as The Bible by the Funkinauts. And yes, I am a Funkinaut too, y'all. Word. And, uh, you know, sometimes Jay Stone, he's asked me, hey, Ace, what's in your lyric book? What's in your, uh, what kind of words are you thinking of, everyone? in a while 
So uh, we put this one together. Uh, really liked it. And uh, we played this on the History of Funk Show 2. Yes. It's a little song called Fully Mentalized. And it goes a little something like this. You done put a spell on little old me, babe Got me all pacified and mesmerized
hold each and every one of your lives well, well. You are meant to live and I'm fully Fully metalized, fully metalized. Operation Mind Control, and you the operator, baby. Well, well, fully metalized. Keep in mind, it's me and not you that I despise. Well, well. Fully I wanna be your dog.